You are listening to highlights from an episode of One Planet Podcast. I'm grateful for the fact that through my work, I've had a lot of opportunities to go to places that a lot of people just simply won't ever get the chance to go. And I kind of like taking those opportunities to try to share with people what that's like. I honestly had no idea that I would ever be here. I mean, I, from a you know working class background, didn't have a huge amount of opportunities to go off and you know do whatever, but now I can do that. And that's, that's one thing that I particularly enjoy. I always remember once I had gone, I have total side project that I haven't worked on for a while, but like a little like 360 degree camera. So, I mean, it's, it's old news now, but five for so years ago, it was like the new rage, right. With like the Oculus Rift and, you know, headsets where you could actually be immersed in the, in the environment. And I had gone to Monterey Bay and just stuck a camera on the water and took a 360 degree video of the kelp forest, which I'm being from Southern California. Like I like kelp forests. They're pretty close to my heart. Temperate oceanic environments don't get as much attention and love as coral reefs. I mean, obviously any ocean, any environment is really cool, but the kelp forest I think is a really unique environment because I think a lot of people have not even conceived that that is down there, right? And so I had just this video, which I didn't think was anything particularly special. And I was at a National Geographic event showing that had kids in, from the neighborhood coming in to see all the different things that were going on at Nat Geo. And I had the VR headset and gave it to this kid. And he was just so excited. Like, I just remember him screaming, oh my God, I'm underwater. And it was just like, I thought it was kind of honestly a bit of an embarrassing demo. Like it wasn't that polished and it wasn't that fancy it was also an environment that a lot of people go and scuba dive in Monterey. It's not the most far flung part of the universe, but I do think being able to actually show that to someone can really open their world. And then, you know, something that they never knew existed, sort of like me becoming an ROV pilot. Like this is not something I knew existed four years ago. And maybe that can change the course of what they're interested in. Your work helps us both understand the process of global warming and pollution and in what ways can it help map and help stop the process? Yeah, that's something that I think about a lot. And, and that's, that's what drives most of my work is trying to make it relevant in some way. It can be a little bit of a challenge in academia where the measurement isn't necessarily based on the good that you can do, but there are other sort of metrics that might not line up particularly well with sort of real world impact, depending on, on what you're doing. The initial inspiration behind the work that I have been working on for my PhD was trying to develop a low cost, small, easily deployable system that you could use to map coral reefs. And that has subsequently been extended into stuff like kelp forests, which is what I'm working on right now. It's not ready yet. So I collaborate with a group at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography in San Diego called Stuart Sandin's lab there has a pretty long running project called the 100 Island Challenge. And I think it's expanded to more than 100 islands by now. But the initial idea was that they would visit 100 islands, like tropical islands. So with coral reefs around the world and map representative areas at ultra high resolution and they'd revisit the same sites every two or three years to see how they were doing. And, and it's an ecology lab, so they're focused on what, what do you actually learn about the environment from that. And right now they do it all with divers. 
So they go out with a big camera system and they swim and take images with the camera system, post-process it with an off-the-shelf 3D reconstruction software. And they do get these really beautiful high-resolution models of coral reefs, which they are able to use to make inferences about that ecosystem, like perhaps what corals tend to be growing near each other or all sorts of different things. But it really just gives you a snapshot of that environment. And there's sort of a, a bigger picture that might be missed. And it's also incredibly labor intensive. I mean, I, as someone who really loves diving and being in the ocean, I don't want to like just replace all the humans. But if we had a way to automate that process, we would be able to get more data. And hopefully that would help ecologists and biologists actually understand more and maybe have a clearer picture of that ecosystem. And so that was kind of the initial inspiration behind what I was working on for my PhD is if I can hand them a robot that does the same thing, that actually frees the scientists up to do science instead of sort of acting like a repetitive robot. Because you have people with PhDs in marine biology swimming back and forth for hours on end. That's kind of in a lot of ways a waste of their time because that's something that can be so easily automated. Well, I say easily. Easily is relative, but that's something a robot would be good at. Whereas if the robot was busy just mapping things, they would be freed up to go and investigate something that was you know, particularly interesting and maybe take a lot more detailed look at specific things, whereas the robot's kind of giving them the bigger picture. And that's what my PhD work has tried to develop a system that could do that. As far as kelp forests, that's sort of where I talked before about when everything in the environment starts moving, all of our fundamental assumptions get thrown out the window. And so that's a problem that is not really solved. We don't have that same level of technology that, you know, you can swim around and take 2000 photos of a coral reef and get this amazing, beautiful 3D model out of it. If you did that in a kelp forest, you'd probably get just a pile of mush. You wouldn't be able to get anything out of it because the technology doesn't actually represent those environments yet. But I think there are, as we're seeing all over the world, so many environments are changing so fast and we need technology that helps us monitor that over time and helps us understand the environments that are really critical to some sort of intervention or whatever it is. And kelp forests are also susceptible to that. Like I am currently living in Australia and Tasmania, who always wanted to dive in Tasmania. I haven't gotten there yet because I've moved here right before COVID, but apparently Tasmania's kelp forests don't exist anymore, pretty much. I think you might be able to find a few, but they just aren't there. And that's someone, it's just, it's tragic. And I'm not claiming that like this technology would have prevented that in any way, but I think we do need to be able to look at these sorts of environments and use the technologies that we have and continue thinking of new ways that we can at least help in some way, because we are really on the brink and we can't keep losing entire ecosystems because we will not survive. To listen to the full interview and to learn more about the creative process and One Planet podcast, please visit www.creativeprocess.info.